When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This this is an encore presentation of The Rich Eisen Show. Oop, no clip. Oop, thought we had a clip. Nope, okay. Live from The Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Bruce Arians here uh, on The Rich Eisen Show. Calling your team a very dumb football team. Do you, when those words leave your mouth, do you want to grab them back? No, I mean, just telling the truth. Earlier on the show, 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel. Coming up, Fox Sports analyst Joel Glass. Washington football team head coach Ron Rivera. Plus, actor and comedian Bill Burr. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Boy, do we have a lot going on here on uh, on this busy Tuesday from LeBron being suspended for a game. We'll have yet to discuss that. We will. I'd love to chat with you about it. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. We talked about the Bucks' victory over the Giants last night. We focused on the Bucks. We're about to start focusing a little bit more on the Giants. Matthew Judon of the rampaging New England Patriots uh, called mac and cheese trash, essentially, um, <laughs> saying that, that that should be thrown away. Off the Thanksgiving table, we had Debo Samuel on in hour number one. He said, basically, Judon's never had good mac and cheese. That's what I'm saying. That's what he said. <laughs> he said, it's cheese and noodles. That's uh, cheese and it's noodles. Just, so it's like, Get clearly, it you know, I mean, if you're saying noodles, then clearly you haven't had a good mac and cheese. You know what I mean? It takes a good elbow. You know what elbow. I mean? So, speaking of which, LeBron James has been suspended. Hey, uh, hey now. Uh, we'll talk about all that later on. Uh, Ron Rivera in hour number three of the Washington football team. Also in hour number three, Bill Burr, the very funny Bill Burr. Uh, on this program there's been a big signing in major league baseball right on the outset apparently of a lockout we'll discuss that here on this program but joining us is is a man uh who will be uh in the booth for a huge football game in the big house on saturday he and gus johnson are terrific calling games on fox and this one in particular is is large because the winner goes to the big 10 championship game and the loser does not it's Michigan and Ohio State. And joining us right here on the Rich Eisen Show to discuss that and more is Joel Clad. How are you, Joel? Good. What's going on? How are you, Rich? Well, I'm 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 not I'm nervous. Excited is the use is the is the word my chi- my children use. It's half nervous, half excited. Uh, I'm also a little uh, bit. That's how my youngest son should be for Christmas. That's it. We're nervous. Excited right now. <laughs> um, and and uh, I'm a little pissed at the Bolitnikov people because uh, you know they just handed out the list of. Uh, uh, finalists for the Blitnikoff, and somehow, some way, not a single Ohio State wide receiver uh, is on it. But uh, a guy who trans wild, yes, and uh, at- wild, Hold- isn't it? And it's like it's as if you know, Michigan is probably sitting there like, really, really? this week you're going to give them more motivation. That's what I said. Really, that's what I said in the last hour, Joel. And then on top of it, uh, a receiver who left Ohio State because he, he he felt he couldn't crack the lineup there in Jamison Williams. He's on the list for Alabama. So there's that too. So. How about that? 
you're speechless, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, we actually lost him. <laughs> hey. Well, that would have been perfect sure. timing. You know, put, uh, he was so upset he just quit. He's so, he's so upset he just, he just quit. It's like I'm hanging up. Uh-oh. You want to try one more time there? No, no, no. Mike Del Tufo's trying him right there. Just give him a call back. Uh-oh. Give him a ring back, will you please? I dropped him. I'm Joe, speechless, Joe Clout was too. like the audacity, and he couldn't even I know. stand yeah. it. He's so speechless. There was phone against the wall. Speechless. Yeah, he went. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was getting ready to just wind up and throw that fastball. Yeah, he and Gus have uh, called many of uh, difficult Saturdays for me. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if this is going to be another one. But uh, here, uh, we'll play this soundbite, actually, because this is one thing we're going to ask Joel Klatt about if we can get him back on uh, on the phone line here on, on the Rich Eisen Show, where he was on our program uh, in Tennessee you know, he's been doing the draft for us. And um, is he back on the phone line right now? You there, Joel? Yeah, Joel's back. I, I'm here. You got me? I thought, yeah, I thought you were so speechless because I had mentioned that Jamison Williams uh, uh, of Alabama, who left Ohio State, uh, he's on the Politnikoff list and the Ohio State well, receivers. Well, what I was saying is, is, like, you would have, you would be shocked at the number of people that they get and the random people that they get to vote on some of these awards. Mm -hmm. And, and it comes to fruition when you see some of these lists. Um, I get so upset even when I, and I, I see the ballot of like Heisman voters Mm -hmm. and you're just like, how (laughs) there's like 900 people. Half of them, I feel like don't even cover college football, but you know, to your point, I probably Ohio state receivers stole a little production from each other, but it's absolutely crazy that a guy like Chris Olave is not on that list. For for his production, for his career, for his touchdowns, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's wild. I know, and Garrett Wilson though is he might even be drafted higher when we're in Vegas next year, Joel. And I mean, and, and neither of those guys are even the leading receiver on their on the team as far as yardage goes. That's Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, it's I'm telling you, all three of these guys are likely going to be first round players. Jackson Smith and Jigba just still has to be there for another year. And here's the crazy part. Do you want to know the crazy part? Sure. They've got. A number one wide receiver out of class, Julian Fleming, not a starter. Marvin Harrison Jr., who's an absolute freak, not a starter. And Emeka Abuka, a number one wide receiver in a class, not a starter. They've got three guys that would start anywhere else in the country that don't play. It's kind of crazy, and I think we're kind of touching on one of the challenges for Michigan on Saturday is covering these guys, and maybe the way to cover them is to make sure that C.J. Stroud isn't upright to throw to them. Is that, uh, is that uh, a fair assessment of, of what Saturday is going to be about, Joel Klein? That's 100% accurate. And in the games in which Ohio State has struggled a little bit, that's, it. that's been the only constant is the fact that Stroud has not been comfortable in the pocket. Make no mistake about it. I know like, they've got a good back in Travion Henderson and, and a pretty good offensive line in terms of run blocking. But they're not a running team. This is not a J.K. Dobbins, Ohio State, or a J.K. Barrett, certainly, Ohio State, or even a Justin Fields, Ohio State. This is a team that resembles much more of the Dwayne Haskins version of Ohio State on base downs, so first and 10, second and six or shorter, base downs, base offense. They're throwing the football about 64 65% of the time. That's a ton. That's as much as anybody in the country and the way to get after a team like that, as we see throughout levels of football, when you see Brady in those pass-heavy offenses or Manning back in the day, is to get to them and to get to the quarterback and make him uncomfortable in the pocket. It just so happens that there's three defenses in the country, maybe four, 
that are uniquely suited to do just that. I would say Georgia and Bama, particularly with Bama with Will Anderson, and then Michigan and Wisconsin, which may be the next two opponents for Ohio State if they're able to beat Michigan. Aiden Hutchinson and, and David Ajabo are two of the best edge rushers in the country. And as a tandem for Michigan, they're presenting a ton of pressure, as much pressure as anybody in college football. Each of them have double-digit sacks. And the game rests completely on their shoulders. I know that that's, that's incredibly reductionist, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of philosophy. But that's really where it's at. Because if Stroud is clean, you cannot stop Ohio State. And that was proven out last week and even the week before against Purdue. What about the defensive scheme? Mike McDonald is the new uh, defensive coordinator for Michigan. We all know that Don Brown... Um, his defense was picked apart by Ryan Day, maybe even during the week, you know, like the game plan picked it apart and then the execution was just the easy part, you know. Um, What do you think about that with the crossing routes and the wide-open receivers that Michigan has seen for for years, too many years in this series? One of the things that I remember meeting with, with Coach Day even back when he was a coordinator in the Haskins year, and he just had this wry smile because Michigan was favored. They were coming into the, the horseshoe. They had a very good defense, if you remember. That was the Rashawn Gary defense mm-hmm. and, and those players. And Ryan Day was just like, yeah, I've got a plan. And, and you have to remember that he coached with Don Brown back when they were both up in the New England area. I think it, I want to say New Hampshire, something along those lines. But anyways, they had coached together. And, and Ryan used to pick him apart in practice. And basically, he used that game plan in front of, you know, 12 million in the Michigan-Ohio State uh, game. So enter, enters Mike McDonald. And here's this young guy who's the linebacker coach for John Harbaugh at Baltimore. And he's a very NFL style of guy. And that's why they stood those two edge rushers up. And they want to run more of the Baltimore style of defense. But what, what they have more so now than they ever did before is answers. So they don't just have one pitch. You know, Don Brown was like a really effective middle reliever who had one really good pitch. And when he was dominant, it was very good. And in particular, when they had the players that were better than the opposition, the problem was is that you got somebody in Ohio State that was faster than them, that could block them, and and they had no other pitch to get to. There was no secondary pitch. There was no adjustment from Don Brown's defense. So Ohio State just ravaged them. And, and to be fair, anybody with like talent or, or better talent would beat Michigan. And that was the knock on Jim Harbaugh. And, and it was really more about Don Brown and his defense and his lack of a secondary pitch. Now Mike McDonald comes in and the defense may be not as dominant at times over teams that they're, that they're better than, but they've got a secondary pitch. So they can, they can adjust much better than they used to. So I've said this all year long. This does not mean I'm picking Michigan yeah. or that they're going to win. I just think that they're more suited for this game than they have been in previous years. They are built better because of those answers that they have on the defensive side for what Ohio State will bring, namely the fact that they can present pressure whether they're blitzing or not. They don't have to steal resources from the back end to present pressure on C.J. Stroud in the pocket because of those two edge rushers that I was talking about. Joe Klatt here on the Rich Eisen Show. He and Gus Johnson uh, getting set with the rest of the uh, Fox crew to cover Michigan-Ohio State on uh, on Saturday right here on the Rich Eisen Show. So you've established that Michigan defensively is better suited uh, for this game uh, than in recent years. Offensively, they've been running the heck out of the football all year long, and that's another way 
that you could keep Ohio State's high-octane offense off the field. What about the Buckeyes' defense? How are they suited to take Michigan's uh, run game out this, so, this week? Ohio State has had – how do you put this? They've had to in-season adjust more than anybody in college football because of their absolute failure against Oregon. If you go all the way back, a game that Gus and I called, in the shoe, second week of the season – couldn't stop the run game, couldn't adjust on defense. They had a lot of young players out there that were overwhelmed, to be quite honest with you. And Ryan made a big decision, and he took the play-calling duties from Kerry Combs, and they kind of spread it out throughout the defensive staff. And now here we are, and they're playing much better defense. From that point, they have been a much more sound defense. I wouldn't call them a great defense, but they're certainly more <laughs> more suited to stop people than what they had been previous in those first couple of weeks. They're starting to run a little bit more zone coverage instead of man coverage. That puts more eyes in the backfield and lets these, lets these athletes kind of run around. And then they've got young players that have developed during the course of this season, namely a defensive end named JT Tuimoloau. He was one of the top five uh, recruits in college football entering the season, and he's been outstanding for them. Denzel Burke, a true freshman at corner, who we're going to call his name in a couple of years as a, as a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, Rich. So these are young guys that are developing, and that, that defense is much better. Now, having said that, I thought that the biggest issue for Michigan was the fact that they were one-dimensional on offense for a lot of the season and only could run it, and now they've developed the passing game, and I think that their quarterback, Cade McNamara, has has – developed into a real threat in the passing game. And then what they've done is after losing their number one wide receiver in the first week of the season, Ronnie Bell, they have now established a few guys that can go out there and catch the ball and be effective. They're tight end, Eric All. Mm. Uh, they've got a freshman wide receiver named Andrell Anthony, who is very good against Michigan State. And then they've got a freshman running back who actually, uh, as a receiver, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, went for 170 yards last week. So they're starting to develop some of those threats, and that's where I think it's going to be a fascinating matchup is that defense against the offense. Because on the other side, you've kind of got great against great, great pass rushing against great passing defense. And the unknown is what happens when Cade McNamara and the Wolverine offense is on the field against that Buckeye defense. Yeah, you're referring to Donovan Edwards, who had a terrific game against Maryland. Joel, I, I looked it up, or um, and and I think the last time both teams entered this rivalry contest, coming off of fifty burgers themselves, was 1983. I mean, like, isn't so that crazy? It's uh, I I don't know if that stat's accurate. I would have your research uh, look it up. I'm just a man who's trying to pass the time because I'm so nervous-sided about this. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, this. You know, and I know that there's other games going on this weekend. I, I yeah, totally but know. None but none of them are like this. No. I know it's rivalry week, but this this one is just sucking all the air out of out of college football, and rightly so. I mean, winter goes. You know, you got the Harbaugh effect. You've got the Ohio State effect. I mean, this this is as big of a game as I've ever called. I I'm nervous sighted to be honest. <laughs> with it. I mean, hopefully, I you know I can do this thing justice and lay out and make sure that everyone's enjoying it. Before I let you go, Joel, um, last night. The, uh, the Giants, as we know, on Monday Night Football um, got got beaten up by the Bucks, and there were a couple times in this game where they needed Daniel Jones to rescue him. The scheme might not have been working. I get it. The defense was giving up a ton of long drives against the Bucs, um, but they just needed, after they fell down by two touchdowns, you need the quarterback to just say, I'm just going to take this game on my shoulders and we're going to figure this thing out. And it went in the exact opposite direction. So I do have to just pause this interview and for the benefit of our audience, 
This is what you said on this show, on the Rich Eisen Show, the day after the Giants drafted him in Nashville, Tennessee, just a, a couple of years ago. This is you, Joel Klein. Go ahead. I thought that the New York Giants had a disastrous night last night. Disastrous, and I think it might take years to recover from no it. No kidding. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You cannot miss when you've got the opportunity to have two first-round picks, when you're drafting quarterbacks. Why are, why are the Denver Broncos in the state that they are? Because they've missed on quarterbacks in the first round. They had to go get Peyton Manning. He recovered them, brought them a Super Bowl and Super Bowl 50. But they're not what they have been historically because they have missed on first-round quarterbacks. I hope Daniel Jones has a lot of success for Giants fans' sakes, uh, for his sake. But the fact of the matter is, every single one of the Giants' three picks last night, they overvalued that player by, at a minimum, 10 spots. That is, that's a disaster, just from a value proposition. Do you think we've now reached the point where we can, we can settle that you were right, first blush, right now? Well, Joe, what do you think? Too soon let's still? Let's just say, before, before I take a, a victory lap, I'm also the guy that suggested on a different show that I wouldn't select Justin Herbert in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. The, I got you. I got you. Well the, done. Uh, spirit of fairness. Okay. The draft is such a crapshoot at times. I still stand by, like, I, I stand by what I said about the, the Giants. I remember back to a lot of those picks, and they were overvaluing picks. And they were drafting for need more so than they were drafting for value. And I, I'm, I've always said that selecting best player available is a better proposition than, than selecting kind of for need. But the thing about Daniel Jones for me, even in college, was that while he was very good, he wasn't an above the X's and O's players, which is exactly what you were referring to. At times, you have to have a guy that's going to take it and regardless of the X's and O's, move you down the field. And be above that. And and he hasn't shown the ability to do that. And like I said, he's he's been effective at times. I hope that he can have success, and he certainly isn't given a lot of chances by their game plan and, and some of the stuff happening around him. But that that was my concern going in, and that's kind of what's what's plan, uh, played out Excuse me, in his career so far. Yeah, the other two were Dexter Lawrence, who's still on the defensive line for the Giants, but re- he really hasn't shown any sort of – game-changing ability with any consistency yet. And the third player was a corner, DeAndre Baker, who was involved in an off-the-field, um, uh, you know, armed robbery that uh, charges against him were dropped eventually. But um, he, he wanted being cut. He's on the Chiefs now. So, I mean, so, that, this you know, the, the Everyone – it's so interesting, and this is one of the reasons why I love doing the draft because – you know, yes, there's all sorts of hope and everything, and, and but in hindsight, the drafts are so interesting, and you really see the teams that know how to draft and the teams that don't, and and it comes to fruition, man. It plays out in real time two, three years later. And last one for you before I let you go, the Baker Mayfield conundrum that uh, Browns fans, half of them want him gone, or a large part of them want him gone. I, I keep saying that this guy still has – uh, ability that the Browns can depend upon and should depend upon. I mean, they're going to have to make a decision on letting him play next year for uh, for for playing out his contract and playing for essentially a franchise tag the following year, uh, or or signing him long term. Uh, what what do you think the Browns should do based on what you're seeing with Baker, Joel? Here's what I don't understand: Do the Browns not realize what they were before Baker Mayfield arrives? <laughs> I'm like, I am so with you on that. Correct, right? Or uh, like because. I'm sorry, like Browns fans, are, are your memories that short 
to realize what you were before Baker Mayfield? Now, I know it's not solely on him, and they've made some quality moves, Mm -hmm. but that was as inept as it gets. Remember, every year there was specials on every single pregame show about here's the number of quarterbacks that the Cleveland Browns have started since whatever, Peyton Manning came to the league and blah, blah, blah. And it was was the running joke about the lack of – um, uh, you know, quarterback play that they had mm-hmm. had and, and consistency that they had had. Do you forget what you were before Baker Mayfield? You are a playoff contender. You are a legitimate NFL franchise right now, in large part due to the fact that they found a quarterback who can at times raise the level of the team. Now, there are times when he makes mistakes. There's no doubt. But, man, ye of little faith and particularly of short memory, that's what I don't understand. It's like, you want him gone for who? Drew Locke? Let me tell you, as a Bronco fan, it ain't great out there on the streets of no quarterback. So, you know, that's, this, that's what I would say. I, I find it fascinating, the people that have these short-term memories about what their organizations and franchises oh. were before some of these players existed oh. on their roster. I'm with you. So I guess what, you, you figure out a contract that isn't as large as Mahomes's, right? And 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 you, you sign him and, and go for it? Because that's... The, I would, that's... if I was the GM. And yes, I wouldn't be sitting out there trying to throw him Dak or, or, or Mahomes money. And if he says no, then that's on him. But I would certainly offer him a contract that I felt was consistent with his standing in the league. Joel Klatt, thank you for the time. Have a great time, man. Uh, I'm jealous you get to be there. Uh, I really, I really am, and um, I will be, I will be at home, um, nervous sided. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Well, I tell you what, it's been it's been a rough couple of decades, so we'll see what happens <laughs> on Saturday. You don't have to lay into the word decades that much, you know what well, I mean? Well, to but... be fair, it's actually this century. You know? <laughs> so for basically this century, it's been a rough time. <laughs> and we're out of time. Thanks for the call, yeah. Joel. Appreciate see it, man. Boys. Take care. That's Joel Clatter, everybody. Uh, you didn't have to say it that way. It's been a century. Yeah, let me He's see if okay I can with put the phone this here. cutting off before uh, he said that. No, no, no. Let me see, because my buddy Paul, who you guys know, right? Yeah. So, um, um, he listens to us. I'll give him a shout. I've known him since the you know grade school. Let me see. He went to Michigan. He wrote this, and this is the truth. There are current active service members of our military who have only been alive for one Michigan win over Ohio. That's nuts. Of course, he's Ohio, which is where we talk. One in 15 in 17 seasons. Something's got to give. And the one was against Luke Fickle. When they were in between. (laughs) Transitioning. From Trestle to Urban. Right. Holy crap. It's not good. No, I know that, but I think yeah. Ohio State, based on the entire series, the history of the series, is only up by a couple now. And uh, have that run to, uh, to, to catch up. Let's take a look. Let's take a break. We come back. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial and how far the Giants have fallen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets. 
at the Rich Eisen Show, and every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it, and then the all-in prices. That's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all-in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Um, so last night on uh, on Monday Night Football, the Bucks did win, and they won by 20. And normally, a team that wins by 20 has a quarterback that looks really happy, especially when he's gotten 300 yards under his belt, another 300-yard game of his stellar Hall of Fame unicorn career. But Tom Brady is in fine-tuning mode. He's in fine-tuning mode and thus had this to say after boat racing the Giants. Every day that uh, you know goes by is closer to the end of the season, and every game is more important because there's fewer of them, and you don't get him back. So we're at a decent point, but we could play a lot better than we played. And you know, ten, seven, and three. You know, through ten games, there's a lot to learn from, and um, hoping our best football is ahead of us. And I saw that, and I thought to myself, you know, self, um, how far have the Giants fallen? How far has this franchise fallen? That the guy that they beat twice in the Super Bowl, a guy who they denied being the first ever 19-0 and quarterback, right? First ever 19-0 and quarterback, denied that from him and then denied him a second time, twice. That franchise is now losing to this guy, who is Tom Brady, I understand. He's now still going at age 44, upset that he didn't fine-tune well enough against that franchise. That's how far the Giants have fallen. They're a team that you fine-tune against when you're Tom Brady trying to go for back-to-back Super Bowls at age 44. And, of course, they're a team that you want to fine-tune against when they fall to 21-53. and 
since that ill-fated wild card week boat trip by some members of the team down to South Florida in their last playoff season of 2016. 21 and 53. That is a winning percentage of 28.4%. We always do the math for you here. That's what's happened to this franchise. And it's just, you know, wild. Some of the things that you see from this team that has constant trouble trying to build an offensive line. Constant trouble trying to build an offensive line and then still still builds the team as if they've got the offensive line to protect the quarterback to get him more weapons, like drafting Saquon Barkley and like signing Kenny Galladay to the richest contract of the wide receiver offseason. And yet, you know, with all those talented players, you can't put it all together. So maybe it's the coaching. This was Joe Judge after the game last night when asked if, uh, you know, the coaching was the issue, and in particular his offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett. Is it fair to say, come back on a few times tonight, you're, you're not putting the players in the good enough position to, to succeed? You're, you're taking it as you know, more the coaches than the players. Is that a fair meeting on how you're... Yeah, put that on down. You can put that down tonight. Got that? You guys can write that tonight. All right. Now, the players got to execute. That's their job, right? It's our job to teach them. It's their job to go out there and execute. But we've got to make sure we keep putting them in a position to have success. And it's got to be consistently that way. So, you know, you can go ahead and write that down, and I'm not going to debate that. So um, he was then asked if uh, Jason Garrett was still going to be the offensive coordinator. He says he was not prepared to talk about that right now. Well, I guess he is now because according to uh, reports out of New York City, Jason Garrett is being fired as offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. And that is the last-ditch maneuver of a head coach and front office that's run out of options with a fan base that is ready to put somebody's head on a pike, to use the Game of Thrones phrase. It's unfortunately Jason Garrett's. Unfortunately for Jason. Fans might say this is great because it's the scheme that's been a problem. Like a third and two last night uh, after the Giants' defense had the Bucks march 18 plays, 79 yards, held them to a field goal, and then next uh, what the Giants do is go three and out. On a third and two, all you got to do is look at Brian Baldinger's Twitter account. He had the breakdown of it. There were three guys running man beaters against his own, and uh, three guys were just bunched right in the middle of the field, surrounded by linebackers. <laughs> and uh, Jones had nowhere to go. And the three-man rush, because eight men dropped in the, in the zone, uh, one of them got home and sued to rush the throw. It looked terrible. It looked terrible. On defense, too, uh, when the whole world knew, okay, you got to double. I mean, this is what this is what the Mannings were saying last night as I was watching the Manning cast. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's third and goal. It's a 17-10 game. And the Mannings are like, you got to double who? Who do you have to double? Pate asks E. And E goes to Pate, well, you got to double Evans, right? You got to double Gronk. They wound up doubling great, wrong tight end, because the motion got the defenders out of whack and there was Evans touchdown. So instead of being 20 to 10, it's 24 to 10. And how did you know Daniel Jones respond to that? He threw one of the most dreadful picks I've seen. 
right? He's, the defensive lineman that right. was sitting down. Correct. Is that on Garrett? Or do you just have the wrong quarterback? Do you have the wrong system? Or do you have the wrong roster? You don't have an offensive line, so let's add to Barkley. Let's add Let's add Kenny Galladay. Really? And then Kadarius Toney. Let's draft him. And let's just, like, what? Get the ball out of our hands in two seconds because the quarterback can't get be protected? That's why I'm saying this is the act of a coach who knows he's going to get got. You got to throw the offensive coordinator overboard. It's weird stuff, too. Like, was it Garrett's call at the end of the first half when the Giants had the ball in their nine-yard line with two timeouts to go? Was it Garrett's call to throw one to to um, to Barkley for no gain, let the clock tick down, throw it again for an 11-yard gain out to the 20, and then burn one of your two remaining timeouts? And then it, it was like one of those horror movies where you're watching through your fingers. You, you know the calls are coming from within the house. You know the guy with the ax is coming to create a turnover. You know it. We saw it. I've sensed it. Okay. I was sitting there getting ready to go on a Monday night football halftime show, listening to the call of Kevin Harlan and Tony Baselli. Baselli's like, what are they doing? You're, you're, you're going to invite a turnover. You're, 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 backed up on your own end. You get the ball to start the second half. You're inviting trouble. You're down 17 to 10. What are you doing? Sure enough, throw it down the field. One of your receivers puts it on the ground, and there was a split second in the world where the Bucks had a turnover on the plus side of the field going the other way. Lucky for them, they didn't score. Was that Judge's call? Or is he just saying, Jason, you, you operate it how you see fit? Doesn't the HC basically say, take a knee. Let's get out of here. Weird stuff. Weird stuff all around. It's weird on the roster. It's weird with the coaching, with the play calling, with the decision making. It's just been weird. And it, the weird is just the, the general nice way to say unacceptably awful. So who's next? It appears to be somebody that Browns fans are very well aware of. And who can do very well as the offensive coordinator and play caller in a pinch when somebody's been fired. Freddie Kitchens, everybody. Freddie Kitchens, the guy who was Greg Williams's play caller when the Browns wound up bouncing Hugh Jackson. And Baker looked terrific to the point where they decided to hire Freddie as the head coach. I proffer to say if Joe Judge gets bounced, that ain't happening in uh, New York City. But it's Freddie Kitchens now whose job it is to make Daniel Jones look good enough for the Giants to consider, even in the... At this point in time, there's not... I don't don't care if he looks like Fran Tarkenton over the next (laughs) month and a half. You can't pick up a fifth-year option on him. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. You've got to basically say, sorry, Daniel, but you're playing here next year, and then we'll see how it goes. What do you do? Do you hire a new head coach to do that, or you stick with Joe Judge? One thing I would do, and unfortunately, you know, if I'm Dave Gettleman, the general manager, I'm, I'm assuming he's renting now. 
This is a dreadful scenario for the Giants. 21-53. and 53. And I'll just say this. I know I'm a Jet fan, and I'm, you know, I'm in a glass house throwing a lot of stones right now. I totally get it. But I wasn't part of the franchise that beat Tom Brady twice. All right? Where Eli Manning is telling Bill Parcells and the Manning cast, you know, they say goodbye, you know, like, you know, always a giant. Well, how do you keep saying that right now when always a giant for half a decade is 21 and 53? And Tom Brady, who you beat twice and are rightfully prideful of that, he's upset he didn't fine-tune well enough against you. <laughs> That's what I took out of the Brady soundbite. Because we've already been there and done that about his fire and his professionalism and his competitive nature. Him running... For a first down last night, somebody told him, asked him about his 10-yard run, and he's corrected them saying 11 yards. <laughs> we already know about his competitive nature. We get it. But I took out of that, I'm like, here he is at age 44 going for back-to-back championships with another team, and the Giants are on another coach with another roster that is failing despite having very physically gifted people on it. And he's pissed that he didn't fine-tune well enough to beat them by more than 20. Good luck, Freddie Kitchens, Giants fans, and Joe Judge. Because the judge and jury of the fan base and ownership, which owns a lot of this, is coming. Again. Take a break. We'll set our ducks in a row for our third hour. Ron Rivera, top of hour number three. Bill Burr as well. And you at 844-204-RICH. And we'll discuss LeBron's suspension when we come back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the Rich Eisen Show. So I don't understand why people on uh, that I'm, I see in feedback and on timelines are upset that Isaiah Stewart got more games than LeBron. You I, don't get it? I don't get it. Why? So the guy who did the punching right. got, more, got less games than the guy who got punched. Correct. And you don't see how that people would have a problem with that? Because they didn't see the fact that one punch was suspendable on the spot and the reaction could have made it far worse for everyone involved. But you don't understand the reaction? I understand the reaction about being upset about being hit in the face. I don't understand the minutes later trying to go right back at him and then having a difficulty being let off of the court by his coaches, teammates, Team security, NBA security. 
and then him running down the hallway to maybe get back on the court. Yeah, I don't understand that. I haven't been punched in the face by LeBron James, but there's one way where if Isaiah Stewart just left the court after making his un- his feelings known that he thought he was sucker punched and this was a wrong thing to do, after doing that the first time, if he had just left and not circled back the second time and then run down the hallway after being taking another minute or so being left off the court, LeBron would have been the only one suspended. And we would be talking about LeBron's suspension. By the way, from his one visit to Madison Square Garden, which I'm sure he's not terribly pleased about, nor the Lakers, nor is the NBA. Nobody's happy about it. He's not showing up in the world's most famous arena. Mm-hmm. And trust me, you know, I think he, that's kind of special for him. But if Isaiah Stewart, look, I, I don't want this to come across at all of saying you should just take your sucker punch like a man. You know, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. okay. What I'm saying is he had every right to be upset. Yeah. He had every right to try and, you know, initially be separated from LeBron. He had every right to start screaming at LeBron. He had every right to say, what the hell was the matter with that? But at some point in the world of professional sports, you have to leave it be. Because what do you want? Like, what did he want? Did he really want a brawl there? With fans that are right there, with large human beings spilling towards paying customers, right? Well, I think he wanted a piece of the guy who punched him in the face. I understand that, but and I think that's fair. Like he doesn't know. He at first, I think he was just in shock, and then Correct. he realized, I, you know, I'm, he's bleeding. I'm bleeding like Correct. I'm from Bayonne, right? And he doesn't know that's if his great. eye socket no, no, is. That's a great Chuck Wepner reference. Is 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 Bastion? He doesn't know. And then he sees it and he loses his mind. I think that's totally understandable. But he gets more than the guy who did the punching? Because the guy who did the punching... Is the face of the league. I totally no, get it. No, no, Also, there, there was, there's one way that this could have gotten horribly out of control. Horribly. Like, we're still talking about it because somebody else got hurt because there's a brawl. And that's because Isaiah Stewart, at one point could not realize the moment was over and wouldn't leave the arena. But that wouldn't, wouldn't have happened if he wouldn't have got punched in the face. And that's it's why like, LeBron got suspended. It's like we're getting like that's Ben why Wallace Le- gets a gets off the hook for the malice. That's why that's why LeBron got suspended. One game, I mean, come on. Because do you think he meant it? Do you really uh, think, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I think he here's meant what I'm gonna do, to is I, as I'm closing I in me- on my I think second- he meant to physically get this guy off me. Correct. And and he overdid it. That's why he got suspended. Then why did he get suspended? Then why what? Then why did he get two games? Because he did not leave in a timely manner. So why did he get the one game? Because it was worse. It was worse? Yes. Then the blood coming down his face like he's stone cold? Yes. I disagree. Clearly we do. One way, this is a way that the league has a major, major problem on their hands with people who are 250 pounds spilling towards paying customers because there's a brawl happening. And somebody could get seriously hurt on the court too. Member of security, member of either one of the teams, coaching staff. That's one way. Now the person who started it, if you believe doesn't have a track record, which he doesn't, 
And if you believe that he, closing in on starting his third decade in the league, says, you know what, I'm going to literally punch somebody by figuratively punching down because I want to hurt the guy. And I'm not saying he was trying to hurt correct. the guy. That's why he, he gets was, one game for he it. He was trying to aggressively get him off of him. That resulted in correct. a punch and a very bloody face. Correct. That's why he got suspended for it. Then why did the other guy get suspended? Because it could have been far worse. That's Because why. he was reacting to what the other guy did. Okay. I guess we're going around and around right now. That's the way I see it. This is the league saying, Isaiah Stewart, we don't care about you because you're a 20-year-old nobody. And you, optics, we have to suspend this guy. What? Stewart? LeBron. LeBron. Well, they have to because he, he bloodied another human being. For optics. I mean, optically, they have to suspend him. At least right. a game. They had to because he shouldn't be doing that. You need to watch your damn hands, man. You know, you could be physical, but watch. You don't, don't throw your, your, your hand right. like that when it can actually catch somebody in the face and bloody them. But you don't think it should be if reversed? Isaiah LeBron Stur- should have got two games? If I, no, because LeBron did not intend to bloody the man, and LeBron did not create a situation after it happened that could have spun so far out of control that we'd be talking about it in an anniversary sense years later like we did the malice at the palace last week. But that wasn't a fan coming onto the court or anything. Maybe it would have if it spilled into the crowd and then suddenly somebody feels that they need to actually defend themselves because it spills into the crowd. It wasn't too far. When people are extremely big and overly much bigger than the people trying to stop them and they're emotional, you know, it's just one push and a shove and then all of a sudden you're in somebody's lap. That's what I'm saying. Like, and and even if even if it's he ran like it took after he went after him a second time, it took forever to get him off the court. Then he tore out down the tunnel. I think he's justifiably upset. He got hit. Uh, right, but at some point you're like, do you want to start a brawl like on on the court? Is that what you want to do? He's a 20 year old kid. Okay, so now I'm just explaining to you, a league is sitting there saying we need to make sure others don't go and try and have over... So why don't these guys get 10 games then? I don't know. You have to ask the league. I don't know. That's my point. Because thank God he didn't start a brawl. And thank goodness LeBron didn't send him to the hospital. One game is like, well, we have to suspend him or else we're going to look really bad and PR hit. You get one game. That's my sense of it. That's your sense of it. I think LeBron would have got smoked by this kid. Is Al in <laughs> Dallas back on the phone line? You there, Al? You were at a commercial. I was heating up my low main. I am sorry. I apologize. Dude, you got to gotta have your phone on a swivel, brother. I got, I got I a know, couple minutes for you. I got to have my microwave on a swivel. What's going on? Um, this is the you know this is deck chair off the Titanic time. That's what this is. This is uh, just a complete failure. You said it before. The record is what twenty and fifty, basically. Um, it's a it's it's a disaster, and you rattle them off. Like, why did we go sign Kenny Gall- Galladay and 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 draft a kid and wide receiver? Why are we making these moves? What are we doing? And um, you know, I think that Parcells being on there last night in the in the jury of public opinion, not what the Maras are thinking, but it just it looked the optics are terrible. 
Eli and Peyton are cringing just on that because that's becoming part of the becoming part of the story, right? What those guys are doing and what they're saying, and it's it's time, Garrett. I mean, you can't. I mean, uh, okay, it, the horses aren't producing, so we blame the jockeys, right? But it's it's time. It's time to get make fundamental changes in that organization. And you know, I called for it last week with the Maris. That's not going to happen. Of course they not. need to hire somebody that takes over the whole place. And if they got to run Judge out, so be it. Sarkeesian might get run out of Texas. They're going to pay him twenty million dollars after one year. It's well, that's a different story in college. Yeah, but, and but my point is, like you know, like if you have to cut bait, you cut bait. And the last that's thing it. the Maris and, and and Steve Tisch want to do is start churning. Like they, they they understand. I mean, again, the reason why you know there's a the the, the you know the Mara family has been tight with the Roonies for a long time. Um, we know that. So they know that stability is the way to run an organization. That's what they want. They don't want to keep changing, but they made well, a mistake. Look, they made a mistake hiring McAdoo. We all saw it the minute it happened. They made the playoffs. They thought they were fine there. Then they bounced the general manager. They hire somebody from the Belichick tree. I'm sure Belichick said this is the guy, and the Maras are going to be like, well, Bill gave him the check mark, let's go. And they hook him up with a, an offensive coordinator that the fan base didn't buy from the big, from jump. Yep. They let it go. Now they could see that this is regressing. And thanks for the call, Al. Appreciate it. We're at the end of the hour here. They, they, they saw it's been regressing, and now I think everybody realizes they've got, thank goodness, the longest regular season here. They've got one more extra game of runway to save everybody. And show that this is the way it can be done against division opponents, I might I might add. Speaking of which, Ron Rivera is about to join us from the Washington football team. 